Hello, welcome back. Today I have a story for you of epic proportions. There's little to be said about the story that the story doesn't say itself. So without further ado, we are around the campfire. And this is where our story begins. The puppet army marched against the army of the dead. Neither felt pain, fear, or remorse. Neither knew for what they fought and died and died again. The necromancer watched from above his horde in his chariot of mammoth bones, mounted upon the back of the rotting corpse of Galadred, the last great worm. Waves of deathly stench swept across the barren battlefield as the undead mount flapped its gruesome wings. They beat fast and irregularly, so as to stay aloft despite the gaping holes and pus-filled blisters and patches of black paper that speckled its wings. A mile away, where the badland ended and the kindlewood began, stood the rickety tower of the puppet master. The impractically tall scaffold of twigs and timber rested upon a single wooden pole, balanced on the chin of an ornate wooden woodsman, his lacquered, articulated chicken feet clattering back and forth to keep the precarious structure aloft. And atop that wobbling impossibility sat the puppet master in his puppet master's stool, a shallow divot with supports for his legs to be raised to be level with his hands so as to pluck against racks of thousands of wires and strings spread before him on the scaffold like the loom of the fates. Each string ran to a wooden arm, some sanded smooth, some grating hot and shredding splinters, and some hard and polished so that they clittered and clacked as he jerked. These arms reached out from the top of the tower, crowning it with a ramshackle, bodiless audience that clapped clumsily as the tower jolted. Seven fingers dangled on the tip of each hand, and from the tips of these fingers ran more strings to more arms, one level below the first, and so on, and so on, and so on, so that with a gentle gesture of his toe, the puppet master's tower would burst to life like some clockwork abomination, moving a string that moved seven, that moved forty-nine, that moved three hundred and forty-three strings, that moved two thousand four hundred and one, that moved sixteen thousand eight hundred and seven, and so on. The lowest ring of arms about the tower sent out a mass of strings, all bundled and knotted and wound up together in an epileptic textile beam, whose each smallest skein ran to the base of the neck of one of the puppet master's loveless warriors. 
I'll turn your toy men to dust, puppet master, boomed the necromancer. And his servants passed down the cry in their dry and rotted mouths, so that what the puppet master heard was a hideous, deathly hiss. Cackled the puppet master in reply, for he had long since forgotten which mouth was his, and why it might even be of use. The swath of red-black dirt that separated the two armies grew smaller and smaller. And while the vicious sands scoured the gentle flesh of undead feet to the bone, and sanded lacquered shoes and clogs down to stilts, soon the two armies obscured the badlands completely, and the vultures that circled above screeched in mournful alarm for their missing home. Then broke the tides of war. First came the undead of the air, vampire bats, ghosts, banshees, and other unique and unnamed winged things that plummeted in staggered waves like regimented raindrops. The lines of monstrosities yet to fall trailed off far behind the drop zone, little points in a great black matrix against the bloody orange sky. This unholy hail blasted into the ranks of the puppet warriors, but in the moment before the collision, the air was filled with the whirring of bladed wind-up gyrocopters, unleashed and flying at random among the swarms of winged undead, shearing through clouds of bone and clotted blood. Where the gyrocopters touched each other, their impossibly fast blades merely bounced in a flurry of sparks, sending each deathly spin-top higher and higher, spinning faster and faster. I will take your head and forge your flesh into a legless lump to bathe in venom until, preserved alongside me, the only thing to live as long as I shall, both the torment of infinity and infinite pain shall be yours, shouted the necromancer. And the pleasure I shall take at perceiving you in this state will be all the balm I need to persist and enforce your punishment for continuing eternities. For continuing eternities. <laughs> and raising his hand, he called forth, the tormented soul of Alharamis, the greatest hero of all legends of men and myrrh. Alharamis, who shattered the clouds with his fury, moved hatred to tears with his love. He who slayed Galadred the Great, he who dueled the god-blade death with only a wooden lathe. From the cloying soil of the great burial urn, held aloft by sixteen four-armed skeletons, clawed the body of the hero. Even in death the scourges of time had not dared to lay their hands on his beauty, and while his finery had long since rotted to dust, his body was still mighty, skin taut and glistening, although forsaken by that divine glow that it had contained in life. 
The necromancer had driven his soul, twisted and tortured, far from the underworld where it might have found peace. And now, all the anguish of his godly aspect, perverted by black magics and the lowest lies and temptations, burst from his timeless throat in an agonized cry. Andromeline! Andromeline, my love! Andromeline! Behold, cackled the necromancer, the warped promise of an unnatural love drives him to my service. Watch your toy soldiers crumble before him. <laughs> Roared the puppet master. Sure enough, the dead hero surged forward through the masses of puppets. Such was his grief that the wooden soldiers that heard his cry began to weep salt tears and tore their strings from their backs to put an end to their own animation. So devastating were his sobs that each sound blasted those nearest him to smithereens. And such was his might that all that he touched turned to dust. Such was his beauty, that even now, tormented and bereaved, he left small wild flowers, each of a rare beauty and none ever before seen, blooming in his wake. Not one of the puppet master's creations could stand before him. No number of spinning blades or crunching dentures, huge hammers or swarms of stakes, and living clockwork cities fell before Alharamis. Andromeline! Oh, my Andromeline! He cried over and over as he destroyed. The dead hero had almost reached the wobbling Tower of Arms when the puppets suddenly cleared a space on the battlefield. At first it seemed that the wooden war machines were retreating, but then, from the host, stepped a puppet unlike any other on the field that day. It was tall, in the shape of a woman. Her skin was standard soft, showing a glistening, elegant grain that blossomed across her frame like golden capillaries. She was dressed in blinding white, a simple bridal dress, with a red slash across the front. She wore no shoes, and her polished toes flexed gently on the cluttered sand, as if drinking in the experience with a lust for life. <laughs> Screeched the puppet master, and with the most minute and delicate motions of his left toe and right ring finger, the woman began to dance. The host of the undead and puppets both stood still, either they or their masters lost in the performance. She twisted and spun, drawing rain from the clouds as the gods, real and false, wept, and drying the droplets before they touched the ground with beams of sunlight that made the flowers left behind by Alharamis bloom and grow to unnatural sizes, until the badlands were cut by a jungle of humming color. 
Andromeline. Andromeline, gasped Alharamis. Oh, my Andromeline. He staggered towards her, an arm raised. She waltzed back and forth, the precious stones of her living eyes locked on the dead ones of the hero. Now she was close to him, now far, now flipping above him, now sliding beside him, spiraling around and round, growing closer and closer to the hero enraptured beyond death, until she stopped, one hand outstretched to touch his cheek, the other reaching high above her head, one leg high and bent, on tiptoe on the other. Beyond the battle, the universe held its breath. The vultures in the sky above them fell, unwilling to break the silence with a beat of their wings. Andromeline, gasped Alharamis, oh my love. And reaching out his hand to brush the beautiful thing before him, he turned to dust. <laughs> Cackled the puppet master, shattering the divine silence. Onward surged the wooden army. Shaking himself out of a daze, the necromancer raised his black hand, and the undead army too rejoined the fray. By the rotting blood of holy Gargala, cursed the necromancer, and the mammoth bone chariot trembled at the wicked oath. With such tricksy artifice does this tinker lay my hero low. From beneath his throne of running blood, frozen by the touch of his deathly behind, he drew out a harp made of horn. It was mutated into a twisted shape in order to sport seven silver strings. It was a pale black, with jagged peaks jutting out at all angles so that one could not hold it without drawing blood. It was the harp of Galgala the Fallen, and no thing could hear its song and live. In one hand he held the harp aloft, the other he raised too, flexing his fingers into unnatural shapes and howling a command, For my stage! Skeletons, feet dragging, dangling jaws clattering against collarbones, unseeing sockets lowered dismally to their limp feet, lumbered towards the necromancer. The first to arrive bunched themselves up into balls, becoming the first foundations for others to clamber up upon, and dropped to all fours for the next. Soon the necromancer's army was greatly depleted, but beneath him had risen a coliseum of silent, living bone. His great dragon, Galadred, alighted gracelessly upon the stage and bowed its head, forming a macabre staircase for its master from the digits of its serpentine spine. Chunks of ancient flesh fell wetly to the bones below as the dragon rose its wings about its master, cupping his every sound and sending it bouncing across the barren wastes. Beneath this amplifying cone, upon this trembling stage, the necromancer raised the harp of Gargala and taunted the puppet master a final time. Hide behind your twigs and wires, puppet master. 
This unholy tune shall send your living soul to the darkness, where I am master. And then he strummed the harp. The sound that followed could almost not be called a sound. So far it was from what we take that word to mean. In the great play, The Fall of Gogala, the harp song is represented by the stopping of all other sounds. This not sound, amplified by the undead wings of Galadred, rippled across the battlefield. Listen. Listen as the vultures fall limp from the sky, death-rattled worms writhe up from the depths, and moles, rabbits, and desert foxes all die in the darkness of their most intimate homes. Listen as the air fills with dust, as the tiny microbes turn to husks and clump together, never to feast again, so that the corpses about them shall remain untouched for centuries. Listen as the flower jungle, born on the field of battle from Alharamis and Andromeline's divine love, withers and is no more, as if their love never had been. Listen, as the not sound ripples harmlessly across the unliving armies to touch the tower of the puppet master. Cackle was unsilenced, and beneath the tower the chicken-footed wooden woodsman still danced his desperate balancing act. The toy army marched still. Impossible, cried the necromancer. No living thing can hear the song of Gargala and live. For in all their years of battle, the necromancer had never stood near enough to see the puppet master's empty, rotten eye sockets and smell his decaying, long-dead limbs. He had never guessed that the puppet master had died many, many years ago, just as he had never turned away from their battle long enough to see the dancing linen puppet strings that ran from the joints of his own neck, elbows, and the backs of his knees. Which came first, I wonder? Did the necromancer raise the puppet master as an undead creature? Or has the necromancer always just been dancing along, the lead actor and antagonist of one mad, masterful puppet show? Or perhaps they've always been fighting like this, and always will be. Thanks very much for listening in. Uh, as you may tell, this was a very fun story to share with you. If there are any aspects of this world that you would like to examine further, 
if you want to learn more about the puppet master or the necromancer, or perhaps journey along with Alharamus on one or all of his many trials, feel free to let me know. Just shoot me a message. You can email me at pleasesendcampfires at gmail.com or message the Instagram page around the campfire podcast. As always, it's been a pleasure having you. Thank you for listening, and I look forward very much to seeing you next time around the campfire. Thank you.